Welcome to the Talking Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Will Cheshire. And in this podcast, I speak with impact-driven founders and share their real-time stories about how their solution has a positive impact on society. This is a show for founders, investors, and all individuals looking for some positivity and optimism as you hear from people working hard to help better our society and our planet. You can expect to learn about some awesome new products and services in this show that will bring you more hope in our quest to solve some of society's biggest issues. Let's dive in to this week's episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast. It's all about understanding your body and focusing on data that you can use to help improve your health and wellness in the 30th episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast. I'm sitting down with Caliber Biometrics founder Udi Mayrom to talk about how they're creating a wearable mask that unlocks the data in your breath. You can get real and accurate insights on how your body burns calories, tracks your metabolism, measures sleep, and much more to help you make more informed decisions on your health and wellness to ensure that your body is healthy. Now, let's get started on the 30th episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast. We're getting started on this episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast, and we're talking about caliber biometrics and measuring metabolism analysis through your breath. It's a fantastic solution, and we're sitting with the founder uh, next to me today, Mr. Udi Marov. And Udi, thank you so much for for coming on the podcast and chatting with me today. Very, very excited to kind of learn about, number one, this technology, number two, your product, and, and how this can uh, benefit and, and better people's lives. Thank you, Will. It's, uh, it's a pleasure and it's an honor to be on your show, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Fantastic. And Udi, if you could just kind of explain exactly what Caliber Biometrics does and, and what product that you have to offer and just kind of get people uh, to understand what you got going on right off the gate here. Absolutely. So Caliber has developed a breath tracking device, which uh, for lack of something better to compare to, it looks like a mask. Okay. It covers your mouth and a small part of your nose and it measures your breath on a continuous uh, basis. And from that breath, you can extract a lot of really interesting information, not just about your pulmonary system, but about your entire uh, metabolism of your body. And we'll talk more about the specifics, but that's the big idea. And this thing, you can wear it uh, anywhere, anytime you'd like to get that information, whether you're working out or walking in the park or sleep in bed, it works in all these situations. Amazing. Amazing. And, and you got to tell me, Odie, where, where'd you get this, uh, kind of idea? Where did you decide to, uh, say, you know what, I'm going to create this kind of mass product. I'm going to get this app out with it and I'm going to allow the consumer to have this at an affordable price. You know, tell me a little bit about your background and, and what kind of led you to, to create Caliber Biometrics. Yeah. So it's, it was not an obvious thing for me to end up doing uh, this type of product. You know, my, my early background, I was trained as a physicist. Physicist, I, I have a PhD in physics from MIT, and I thought I'd be doing that for my life. But it actually just opened my mind to a large set of possibilities. And, if, and, and I became essentially what you might call a serial entre entrepreneur. My previous company, uh, which I started quite a while back, was dealing with air quality and measuring air quality in buildings. And that gave me... a uh, a lot of exposure, and not just to the issues around what's in the air, but also the technologies of how to measure air. And, uh, and, and that company is doing well and still chugging along. But at one point, I was thinking, well, you know, wouldn't it be cool if people who wear masks, as, as I saw people do in, in my trips to Asia, say, could have sensors on these masks that would uh, be able to measure their breath in, in cool glory. And from that, of course, they can get all these interesting uh, biometric quantities. And I didn't know a whole lot about uh, metabolism and, and breath-based biometrics uh, at the beginning. So I started reading about it and looking into it. And the more I looked into it, the more I realized, A, that it's a really interesting area, and B, there's really not much in terms of products that uh, can be offered at the consumer basis. Yes, there's professional products used by doctors and sports medicine professionals, but nothing really that can be available to, to the consumers. And I believe that, and I, I, I certainly believe it now, that I can develop something that could do that. Just a little bit, just for more people to kind of understand what exactly, because I'm sure some people who might not be aware of the space or anything like that are thinking like, what do you, what do you mean measure something out of your breath? And, and obviously we'll get that into the solution as well. But uh, talk about just a little bit about the tangible metrics that, that you are kind of giving information on and things of that nature that the standard person will be utilizing, for example, when they are working out or, or they are sleeping or things of that nature. So, so yeah, the first thing, which I think is the most striking 
And I, I would admit that even though now I'm, you know, quite uh, immersed in this world, a few years ago, I did not really know this. And, and probably the same is true of many people, is that all your metabolism is essentially reflected in your breath. And, and you can think about it in very simple terms in the following way. Your body needs energy to do everything. And the way your body gets energy is one process, basically, which is you have a fuel which is in your body from your food, which is either sugar or a fat molecule. And you pull in oxygen from the air through your lungs. The oxygen breaks down that fuel, produces energy, and releases carbon dioxide. This is the basis basically for all animal life. You know, we pull in oxygen, we burn a fuel, and we let go of CO2. So uh, this fundamental fact is the, the real foundation of why breath has all this interesting information about your body's metabolism, because all of it requires oxygen and releases CO2. So if you measure the amount of oxygen coming in and the amount of CO2 going out, you get a full report card, like minute by minute of what's going on in your body in terms of metabolizing sugars and fats for energy. So that's the, the, the basic issue here. Now, to, to measure that, you want to measure the quantity of air coming into your lungs and the quantity going out and also be able to distinguish how much of the air going out is actually oxygen, how much of it is CO2 and so forth. So by measuring both the volume of the air coming in and out at any moment, as well as the concentration of oxygen and CO2 in that air, you can very quickly, you know, draw from that, okay, what's going on there? You know, what, what is your body burning? How much is it burning? And how that relates to the various external influences that you're interested in tracking in. Exactly. And, and you know, what that's burning is really measured in, in calories, correct? You're able to kind of get a little bit more accurate analysis of the amount of calories that you're kind of spending. That's right. And, and the interesting thing about calories is calories is a concept that's familiar to most people. Again, it's uh, very even intuitive, I would say. And uh, But all these calories are really produced only by oxygen-burning fuels. And that part, that, that link is something that I think a lot of people are not aware of. And, and the reason people are not aware of that is primarily because they've not had any tool that could even remotely tell them what are those quantities of oxygen and CO2. So if you basically ignore that, then you just think about calories as its own entity. But really, the only way to determine how many calories your body's burning and, and which kind, like fat versus, versus carbs, is through the analysis of your brain. And, and this is not new. I mean, doctors have known this literally for more than a century. Uh, it's But because it's so hard to do in practice, most people have no awareness of that. But that's what we're going to change. Right, exactly. That's the solution you can provide. You know, something that's more at a consumer level affordable price that, you know, they don't need to spend thousands and thousands on and, and they can kind of get that real-time data and analysis. And, you know, you mentioned something as well that really stands out to me is calories. I think if you talk to anybody who's kind of relatively focused in on their health and well-being, you know, they're measuring their calories. They're measuring how much they're taking in and they're doing their best to try to measure how much they're they're kind of spending, right? They're using, you know, you jump on a treadmill and it kind of gives you a guesstimate of calories that you might be based on your height, weight, and the amount of time that you're running and your speed metrics and all of that. But what I think is really cool about what you're doing as well, uh, or with your, your mask and, and your solution is that you're allowing it to really get your own personalized kind of calories and really seeing, okay, this is fat energy. This is the sugar energy. Cause I think the problem with treadmills and you know, I, I don't know if problem's the right word, but the reason why they're not so specific is it's kind of based on this algorithm. It's a best guesstimate, but there are a lot more factors that go into the way and how efficient your body works than just, for example, your height, weight, and speed that you're going. I mean, is that is that kind of a correct uh, statement to make or am I off a little bit? It's absolutely true, yes. And, and you know, it's, 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 it's a funny thing when, when you when you learn in, in you know, physics in high school or maybe in, in college, and you try to do some calculation. They teach you what a calorie is and how it relates to, to force and motion. And you, see, you try to figure out how many calories does it take to, to climb up to the top of the Empire State Building or to you know do something. It's, it's a tiny, tiny number. It's, it's, it's depressingly small uh, compared to what the body actually needs to burn. And the reason for that is because most of the energy the body produces is to keep the system going. It's thermal energy, it's chemical energy, 
very little of that energy is actual mechanical energy. So when all you do is measure mechanical stuff, like the motion of a treadmill or a Stairmaster or bicycle, you're capturing a tiny fraction of the true energy that's being put to work, if you will. And, and, and that means that your ability to correctly quantify that energy is very limited. And, and as, as, of course, as you know, the, the, the bicycle or the treadmill that has some program there that counts the steps. And yeah, they, they have an algorithm that you can multiply it by your body weight and maybe a few other things. But it's really just a very coarse estimate. On the other hand, if you look at measuring air, it is the exact chemical quantity of, of energy that is being generated in, by your body, the exact amount of fuel that's being burned. It's, it's interesting that the, the device that we built does not ask you what your body weight is. It doesn't need to know that. It doesn't care. It, it, honestly, it doesn't even need to know that you're human. I mean, there's just the chemical energy that's captured in a molecule of sugar. And if you burn it, that's how much energy is produced. Some of that energy will go into the motion of your legs or your arms. Most of it is probably just going to go into heat or into some other chemical process. And, and but that is the total energy that you're utilizing. And that's the, really the quantity that you're, you're trying to get at. So the, this is why measuring breath is really the only way to do that. And, it, and the, the caliber, like any breath measurement device, doesn't need to know if you're running or on a treadmill or on a bike or if you're walking or, or lying down. It just counts the, counts the molecules of oxygen and CO2. And that's your answer. Don't care how big you are, what you're doing, just the number of oxygen and CO2 molecules, that's the answer. Right, breaks it down just exactly to what it is, right? As simple as it is, it's your intake in and your, in input, or your input in and then your, your, what you're outputting out. And it's it just... You know, one of the reasons that's so interesting is because let's say you get on a treadmill and you run for half an hour or so, and, uh, and then you get off the treadmill. Well, it turns out that a lot of the energy that you're burning from this treadmill workout is doesn't happen on the treadmill it happens after you get off the treadmill because and, and you know that you're breathing hard right why are you breathing hard after you you've had a workout it's because your body's catching up if you will on its energy deficit so it's still pulling in more oxygen than it does at rest and it's producing more co2 and none of that is measured on the treadmill of course because you're not on the treadmill anymore but if you measure your breath, you, you, you see that. And, and not only do you see the total, you can see how it slowly kind of settles down as your, your breath calms down and your, your calorie burn slowly goes down. But it is slowly. It's not right away. And, and the only way to keep track of that is, is, to, is, to, be, is to measure your breath. And that's, that's the big insight here. Again, not a new insight. Uh, and I, I don't want to claim any credit whatsoever for, for this thing, only that we want to make this thing easy and available to everybody. And that leads me to my next question on that front. I mean, obviously, you're, you're taking this solution and you're putting it into a, a much more attainable way for consumers. So what has been the problem with being able to get this type of technology out to a regular consumer's hand in the, hands in the past? You know, what have been some of the challenges and issues that, you know, companies or people, maybe they just haven't tried or anything of that nature to, to turn this product into something that's a little bit more consumer friendly? No, it, it really is a tough problem. It was a tough problem. It still is a tough problem. I should say, but uh, you know, the, the reason is because measuring air is much more tricky uh, and is much less, um, it doesn't lend itself as easily to this mini miniature sensors that you can put on a little wristwatch or on a ring and put it on your, and it touches your skin. And, and those things are amazing, but they, and they, can, they can measure electrical signals or optical sim signals off your skin. And, and they're very, very good. But when it comes to measuring air, there is no comparable miniaturization. It's still, you need to intercept the airflow and, and capture it, you know, and, and, and measure the speed of the airflow. And then you also need to analyze the composition of the air. So it's a bunch of things that you got to do. And, and it's especially the measuring the flow, which seems like a very simple thing. I mean, what could be more simple than measuring the flow of air? It's, it's, it's not as intellectually challenging as trying to measure, you know, optical signals or electrical signals or magnetic signals. But the... The problem with measuring air is you have to measure uh, a velocity of airflow, if you will, and air tends to go everywhere. So it's not enough to measure the velocity of air. Well, you have to capture all the air that's coming out of your lungs or your mouth and measure the velocity in every different place to see 
how much air is going here and how much air is going there. And, and, and that's, of course, a hopeless task. So what people do typically is they, they make you breathe all your air into a tube. So all the air is going through this tube. And then in the tube, it's, it's a little bit easier to, to measure the airflow. And that's fine, except now you have to walk around with the tube, you know, sticking out of your mouth. And, and that's no fun. So, so it's this... It's not a very glamorous problem, but it's a but but it's a very practical issue. So so that was the real biggest challenge here is how to reduce the size of a mechanical device that simply ma manages to corral your air and and measure its flow. And that was the biggest challenge that, I, that from my perspective to figure out how to do that without tubes hanging up. Uh, the other part, of course, is getting sensors that measure oxygen and CO two, and on that front. Traditionally, these, there's been very good sensors uh, for a long time, but they've been big and bulky. But there's been a trend of miniaturization of these sensors, which I've been, I've had a front row seat to that for a long time because I worked in the air business and I was able to anticipate that there's going to be sensors that are really small enough and good enough to do this in that super light, uh, super small form factor. Uh, and um, and by the way, it's not just about size and weight. It's also about power consumption. There's some really good air sensors that just need a lot of battery power. And, and now you need to carry a big battery, so that's no good. And so it's, all these things have to come together to make something which is small. But uh, so, so again, not, no one thing here which is overwhelming, but I, I did not see that anybody steps up to the plate and tries to solve the airflow measurement problem in this super compact way and connect all the other dots and come up with something which you can just offer consumers. Here you go. We want this. It's, it's ready for you and you can use it anytime. So we decided to just do it and make it happen. Just do it and make it happen. Right. I mean, convenience is always going to be at the top of the consumer's mind. Right. So if you're walking around with a tube, I mean, now you're talking about like a fashion thing and, you know, and now you just have a mask and then the mask obviously is not meant to be worn every single time you go out and work out. I mean, you can obviously, but you know, it's up to the, the, the person, but you know, you can still go out and get all these tangible metrics, you know, without having to wear this mask every time you run and every time you lift or okay. sleep or, or all that stuff. No, so some people are really interested in, in, in understanding their calorie burn. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a area of enormous focus. And so they might at least once in a while wear it for a very long duration, like a whole day, maybe, you know, or at least many hours and they, and they get kind of a profile of what their calorie burn looks like during during the day. I mean, how many calories do you burn when you're sitting at your desk? I mean, how many do you burn when you're, you're driving to work or, you know, watching TV? Uh, and those, uh, because the reality is that if you look at your total calorie burn in a day, most of it is not from your workout. It's from everything else that goes on the rest of the time. So it's nice to see that, but I, I agree with you. I, I don't think many people are gonna be interested in having that thing on their face many hours every day. There might be a few, but most people will want it only more as a, a an occasional device uh, for these longer stretches, and maybe more routinely for you know workouts or critical activities like that. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and before we kind of get into how beneficial this can be for people in ways that this can actually enhance their their lives, and why knowing this information can be so important on that front as well, I'd be curious to to, to hear. You know, you mentioned this type of understanding has been around for a century or so, you know, just understanding how the body works and stuff like that. And what has kind of been the evolution and in, in whatnot in terms of getting accurate analysis from the breath? Uh, like for somebody, I guess, that, that may not be a physicist like yourself or anything in that nature as well. How do you understand that this is going to give you the accurate results that you're looking for? Obviously, it's with the breath, but just how exactly... Does it kind of work if, if you can kind of break that down in, in simple terms for us on that front? The technical term for measuring your calories from your breath. And, and by the way, let me just kind of open parentheses here. Measuring calories is one thing you can get from your breath, but there's many other quantities that are just as interesting and are not at all related to calories. We can talk about them as well. But the idea of measuring your, your energy burner, your calories from breath is called calorimetry. And sometimes this is called indirect calorimetry, uh, a term that I don't like, but I can explain why it got that name. It's indirect because th there's a thing called direct calorimetry, calorimetry. <laughs> and that is you literally put the person in this insulated chamber, like they're in a, in a, in a closed off chamber and you watch. And because it's very well insulated, once a person is in there, if they're 
generating energy, it shows up as an increase in the temperature of the air inside that room, just like that. So direct calorimetry became a term for measuring your calorie burn or your energy use by watching the temperature inside this closed chamber that they put you in, which is a pretty uh, pretty awful experience to be in that thing, but it's uh, it, it's very a clear type of measuring. So, and and later they they started finding out and and, for, and proving that if you just measure your composition of air, like the oxygen, CO two, and whatnot, then you can get an indirect read on your energy burden, which is um, virtually as accurate if done correctly as the direct calorimetry. It's not exactly the same, but they're very close, and and this has been done for a long time. Now. The reason I don't like indirect calorimetry because that is actually the direct way we measure energy today. Nobody goes into these sealed chambers, but a lot of people get indirect energy, uh, calorie burn from looking at their treadmill or their, you know, their wristwatch or things like that. So that's really the indirect way to do this. And the direct way is to measure your breath. So for that reason, I don't like using the term indirect calorimetry. And I instead, I would rather use the term breath based calorimetry or breath calorimetry. But but that's kind of a snapshot on this history. It goes back a long time. And if you if you Google it, you can see pictures from, you know, from ages ago, you know, grainy black and white pictures uh, showing how people did calorimetry in the early days of this field, probably more than a century ago. That's so interesting to me. That's so interesting to me. But it makes loads of sense how that would be a much more accurate analysis than what you're, you know, had just described through the 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 word you didn't like, you know, in terms of having to measure with the treadmills and things like that and have it be indirect and all that. It just it makes a lot of sense on that front. So that's really fascinating. Let's take a quick break to talk about this week's book recommendation. A book that I found very valuable is 21 Lessons for the 21st Century by Yuval Noah Harari the author of the New York Times bestseller, Sapiens. This is a fantastic read that really hones in on some of the biggest challenges humankind will face in the 21st century, ranging from climate change, AI, polarizing politics, and much more. It's a well-written book that really challenges you to think about the best ways that we can move forward to solve these problems. And I recommend it for all founders, investors, and people interested in problem solving and the challenges that we face today. Now, let's jump back in in this episode and learn more about how understanding your body can help you be a healthier version of yourself. Yeah, so I think some, some of the purists will say, well, why do you call this why do you call this breath calorimetry? Why do I call this what everybody else calls it, indirect calorimetry? Because I think that trying, because here's the thing, we are trying to open this whole field to the broader public. You know, as long as you're just dealing with a bunch of, you know, scientists who are doing this research in a lab, you know, they tend to like fairly abstract terms or terms that don't sound very clear or intuitive to, to the broader uh, set of potential users. Part of trying to open up this, breath-based insight, breath-based biometrics to the broader public is to use terminology that makes sense and it's, it's, that, that people are going to be more likely to be able to relate to and understand. And uh, so in addition to developing a product and developing the, the software and all these things, we're trying also to develop language that will be useful for the people we're trying to serve with this type of product. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to simplify it down, right? And, and make it really easy to digest and understand and things of that nature as well on that front. So that's yeah. obviously another challenge. Um, what other awesome things can you kind of measure and get metrics on outside of calorie burn that you were kind of alluding to? So, so yeah, it's, it, there's, I think th there's many things here that uh, are not even necessarily fully or well understood, uh, but one that is quite well understood and, and very popular is your oxygen consumption. Many athletes know the term VO2 or VO2 max. So let me say what, just a few words. What is, what is VO2 and what is VO2 max? And they're not the same thing. VO2 is essentially how much oxygen your body is using per minute right now. So it's like at any point in time, there's a VO2 that, you, that represents how much oxygen your body is, is, is burning or using in its, in its process. Now, to get that, you need to, there's a lot of oxygen in the air, you know, so we pull that into our lungs. And when we exhale, there's still a lot of oxygen in the air. Our body doesn't harvest all that oxygen. It only uses about a quarter of the oxygen that's available in the air in the lungs. And the, the remaining three quarters actually gets exhaled. 
But if you net out the amount of oxygen coming in and out and see what the average rate for a minute, that's called VO2. And VO2 basically is, if you think about a, a car when you got your foot on the gas pedal, this is your gas pedal, okay? And this is how, how far your, your gas pedal is for your body. That's your VO2. And your VO2 max is when you floor it. And that's the maximum amount of, of oxygen your body's able to consume. And it's interesting that there is a, a very clear limit on that. And if you try to work harder, like let's say you're, you're running about as fast as, you know, as, as your body can supply oxygen and you try to pick it up even further, you can. But you cannot su supply the oxygen needed to do any more than, than what is your VO2 max. So what your body does then is switches over to temporary resources that cannot be sustained for a long time, but for a few seconds or even a few minutes, you can do uh, something that does not require the oxygen right now, and you can get the oxygen later. So that's called anaerobic exercise, okay? So when you, when you go into an anaerobic exercise, by definition, your lungs are not supplying all the oxygen that's required at that time for the, whatever activities you're doing. And your body has mechanisms to borrow energy chemically from some, some resources, but up to a point. Beyond that, it will run out of these resources and you'll just collapse. Uh, so anyway, all that to say that athletes, when they want to gauge how good their physical conditioning is, they are mostly focused on what is their VO2 max, what is the maximum amount of sustainable energy that your body can produce. And, and that is something that is tracked by athletes when they try to improve their performance. The problem is that measuring it is very difficult. How do you measure your VO2 max? The, the only way available to do that right now is to wear one of these very cumbersome, clunky, expensive breath measuring devices. Typically, you do that on a treadmill or on a bike in a, in a laboratory where there's a physician or a technician supervising you. And then if you work harder and harder and harder until you find you plateau, you can't generate any more energy. And say, okay, that's your VO2 max. Now, if, you, this, what, if your VO2 max is, uh, you know, say it's three liters a minute and, and you work out really hard for a year, you come back a year later, your VO2 max is not going up to four liters a minute. Okay, that's improving your physical conditioning. So physical conditioning is in large part characterized by your maximum ability to process oxygen, your VO2 max. That is something that you can measure if you measure your breath. So th there's an example there. I can give you another example, which I find extremely interesting. And there is growing interest, I think, in, in, in that in non-athletic circles, which is what is the right amount of breathing for a person? I mean, how much air should a person breathe? And you think, well, you know, more is better. You would think that. But it turns out that it's not necessarily true that breathing more is better. In some sense, it's almost the opposite. The less you breathe, the better it is for your body for reasons which are partially understood, but perhaps not entirely. And, and people who have dug into this have revealed that, you know, actually, this, there's a long history here. And everybody who's, anybody who's done yoga or, or martial arts knows that there's a lot of focus on very calm and minimalistic breathing. It turns out that there's good reasons for that. And, uh, and, and I, I don't know that they're necessarily all understood, but uh, one example is if you breathe a lot, CO2 get, it gets released from your lungs. Where is that CO2 coming from? It's coming from your blood. Now, your blood stores a lot of CO2, a lot more than is generated, a lot more than the oxygen that comes in and out. So it really wants that CO2 there in some sense. And if you breathe too much, you lose more CO2 than you should. And that starts messing up the, the pH balance, you know, the, the chemical balance of, of your blood. So that's not a good thing, okay? So maybe you wanna keep track of what is the concentration of CO2 in your breath. Because if you're breathing too much, you're depleting your CO2 in your blood more than required. And as the result of that would be that the CO2 concentration in your exhaled breath also comes down. And that is probably an indication that you are breathing too much. So it's, it's, it's a bit of a mind explosion. What do you mean breathing too much? How could you possibly breathe too much? Well, it turns out you can breathe too much. 
And the signature for that would be there's a decreasing concentration of CO2 in your exhaled breath. And how would you know that? It's very hard to know that without a device that tells you that. Exactly. And I had a couple of those mind-blowing uh, moments during your explanation of the two. You know, I could think of examples on both where, you know, you you are working on, you know, your what was it, the VO2 max? Is that what it is? Yep, your VO2 max. I can think of a few times in my training days, you know, I'm by no means a, an athlete or anything, but, you know, I can think of a few times where I push myself too fast and the next thing I know, I'm like seeing darkness and I'm kind of passing out a little bit. I'm like, what happened, you know? And then you mentioned the martial arts, you know, I have some boxing experience. It's very, you your breath needs to be very measured. Otherwise, you're going to get off balance and everything is going to get kind of ruined there. So that really was kind of a mind explosion moment for me right there. Udi, I want to I want to move forward a little bit and talk about why and how knowing all these things can help empower people and, and help empower athletes and, and help people just kind of better understand their bodies and, you know, better understand uh, ways that they can kind of move forward with their lives and, and take full advantage and control of their health. You know, one thing that I've noticed, and I'm sure you have within the last couple of decades uh, you know, with this technology and with everything that's been developed and things like that, people are now getting more and more attuned to how their bodies work. They want to be able to understand how their bodies work, correct? I mean, that goes with diet, that goes with working out, goes with the nutrition density of foods and what's in them. And now you're kind of allowing a consumer who probably is working out on a regular basis, but they don't have access to the lab you were talking about. I mean, I've seen videos of athletes getting set up and measuring that. They don't got access to that, not a consumer, but you know, you're providing the solution as well. So, I mean, I think that this is going to be a fantastic way for people to kind of take control of their health a little bit as well, because understanding this data can really help them maximize their performance and their ability to improve their bodies. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, 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 one of my favorite quotes, and it's a very well-known quote, although it, it's disputed who it's attributed to originally, is that you can only improve what you can measure, you know, and, uh, and, and that's kind of a key insight here. You know, we're not... My company, we're a small company, and, we're, and and I'm not a doctor. I'm not I'm not an expert in human breath. You know, I I, I think we're we're very good at developing devices that do great measurements. But the rest, there's a very large and and very sophisticated community of people who we want to give this to as a tool, and for them to come back with a lot of the answers that we don't claim to have. We're just coming to the to the party with look. If it's true that you can't improve what you can't measure, well, guess what? We, we can help you measure things. And how to improve them could be any number of things. I mean, for example, if you want to improve your health and you want to see what things influence your metabolism, for example, how well you slept the night before, you know, what the weather is like. I mean, if you go for the same run on two days with slightly different weather, do you have any idea, you know, how that affects your, your metabolism? You don't, and guess what? Your bicycle doesn't, or your 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 Fitbit, or whatever device you're using. To the, those do not know that because they will measure the exact same motion uh, that you had on on any um, on any weather. You know, and I don't know if weather is necessarily a huge influence, but I'm just throwing that as an example. Or whether you had you know eggs or oatmeal for breakfast, is that going to affect you know your 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 energy burn as well as you know the composition of your your fuel of choice. We didn't get a lot into this yet, you know, that the ability to distinguish between burning fat and burning carbs. We probably should talk about that, but how those are influenced by choices you make. Uh, you know, you need what clothes you wear. If you're wearing warmer clothes, does that change your energy burn? I mean, if you if you take a, a, a dip into ice water, does your body have to produce more energy to, to warm itself up? Probably. Would it be nice to be able to measure that and see that? This is the kind of tool that can give you the ability to start understanding better the, f the influences that, that affect your metabolism and your breath and your energy and your oxygen and your CO2 and so forth. So the hope here and you know, the, the dream, if you will, is that put this in the hands of, of, of thousands, millions of people, and we're going to get a lot of new learnings and insights from that. And I don't know what those are going to be but it would be super cool to watch it happen. Oh yeah, it would be fantastic. I mean, it, again, it's really empowering the individual to take advantage of their health and wellness. I mean, we, we get a lot of information about food these days. You know, when it comes to exercise, oh man, there are so many different ways and people telling you how to do stuff. I mean, same thing with diets, I suppose as well. Uh, but why not actually just understand how your body works, how it's in tune? Uh, you, you hit the nail on the head with the difference in breakfast for oatmeal and eggs. I have a theory for myself. Let's just use myself as an example. I work out pretty regularly. 
pretty regularly. I do a lot of HIT training. So a lot of high intensity interval training for those that don't know. That's like one minute of really intense running, two, three minutes, whatever it might be. And then you kind of have like a 30 seconds where you kind of go down and lower the heart rate a bit and then raise that heart rate back up again. So what I've noticed is if I have eggs or anything that's more high fat and less carbs before a workout, I don't perform nearly as well. I know I don't know if I don't have any real evidence of that. That's just how I'm feeling versus if I have oatmeal or like, um, you know, flapjacks or things of that nature as well. I feel much more energized and things of that nature. And this tool allows you to do that as well. And I want to ask you specifically what you mentioned before. Obviously, something that's big when it comes to training and working out is fat loss. That is something that millions upon millions, billions of people probably uh, across the planet are working and would like to try and, and get better on. You're telling that you can actually measure if you're burning off, say, a sugar molecule and like carbs, or if you're actually burning off kind of fat as well. And this tool can kind of help you distinguish between that, correct? That's exactly right. And, and you know, the reason for that is actually not hard to understand. Uh, you don't have to get into the chemical detail, but there is a, a, a difference in the chemistry of sugars and fats in terms of the, the amount of carbon in each molecule and the amount of oxygen. They're both made of three, three uh, atoms, which is carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen in different ratios. And that's the difference between uh, fats and sugars. It's one of the differences. So, but the upshot of that is when you metabolize them and, and, and the end product is always the same, which is it's gonna break down into water, carbon dioxide, and energy. Those are the end products of breaking down fats or breaking down sugars in your body. Okay. Now, the interesting thing is because of the difference in the initial chemistry of these molecules, you will end up with a different number of CO2 molecules for a given number of oxygen molecules it consumes. And, and to make it less abstract, when you burn sugar, there's one CO2 molecule for every oxygen molecule coming in. So one-to-one -one exchange, super simple. When you're burning fat, it's not one-to-one, -one, it's really 0 0.7 molecules of CO2 for every one molecule of oxygen. So if 100 molecules of oxygen, you'll get 70 molecules of CO2. It's a very different number than if you were burning sugar. And for that reason, if you are able to accurately measure the oxygen coming in and the CO2 coming out, by looking at the ratio of those two things, you can actually determine whether it's all sugar burning or all fat burning or what's most likely is some mix of the two and exactly what is that mix so whatever that ratio you get you can draw from that what is the fuel mix that your body is using at that point in time so it's very cool very interesting somewhat surprising but makes perfect sense Absolutely. And, and again, my favorite part about this is just how customized it is and how personalized it is. I mean, I think, you know, and, and I'm going off base here in the sense that, you know, uh, I, I just personally think with all of these diets out there and all of these exercise programs out there and all of the marketing that's tied to that 21 days and I guarantee you'll lose five pounds of fat, you know, whatever it might be, or, you know, do this uh, keto diet for 28 days, you know, whatever it might be. The, the issue for me is that I always come down to the point that not everybody's body is the same. Not everybody's body functions the same. We're all different. I mean, we're made up of a lot of the same things, obviously. But, you know, somebody that weighs 165 pounds, you know, is 6'1 or whatever. And uh, I don't know, it runs 10 miles an hour. That doesn't mean each body is going to burn the exact same calorie, right? Or the exact same stuff. There's going to be a difference. So what I really like about this is you're kind of really empowering the consumer to avoid falling into these traps where they might spend unnecessary money on stuff when they could really just be kind of understanding their body and doing the testing and getting more accurate results. It's one of the reasons why it's so tricky to try to use these, um, uh, you know, whatever we call mechanical methods of measuring your calorie burn, whether it's the, the step counter or, you know, the, the bike uh, measures the number of turns of the pedals. Uh, they're, they don't have the ability to, to, to look into those differences. And what may be no less important is that look, your body can burn sugar or fat at any point in time and later kind of reshuffle the board. You know, you can, you, you can burn a lot of sugar now and later use fat to replenish your sugar or you can, use, and you can take extra sugar that you have and turn it into fat. So your body has that ability to swish things around. And for that reason, you, you got to look at, at the bigger picture, not just at what's happening right now. But the starting point is knowing what's going on, you know, right now in, in, in your body. And, uh, and that's something that can only be done by keeping track 
of that. It's almost like an like 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 a bookkeeping. You know how much oxygen is going in, how much uh, how much CO two is going out. And the longer the period of time that you capture this over, you know, whether it's ten minutes or an hour or three hours, the more likely you you are to get an answer that represents the the real balance in terms of your body. If, if you get very high carb burn, you know, for a short period of time, but on your on your treadmill, but the rest of the time your body's using fat to replenish its its uh, its, its, its stored energy, then uh, that's good. That's a good thing, even though you weren't actually burning fat on the treadmill. Uh, so those are the again these the kinds of things that you you cannot get unless you're keeping track of these things through your breath. Right. Um, I, you know, and, and it just gives you so much to empower yourself from a fitness perspective, from a nutritional perspective and, and how your body reacts to certain types of foods when you burn them off and, and things of that nature as well. I, I really love that. Can you tell that I really want one myself at this point? What I want to talk about a little bit, too, which I also think is just as important. We've talked a lot about understanding, you know, from a fitness perspective, right, like working out. But another thing that we had talked about prior is you can measure how your body works while you sleep. And obviously, sleep is an incredibly important part of, you know, recovery, uh, just functioning better. Yes. I mean, there are so many studies out there that, you know, your work is going to take a drastic, drastic reduction in productivity if you don't get a good amount of sleep the night before, right? Uh, from an athlete's perspective, you're going to perform much worse than you would if you got eight hours versus four uh, or whatever it might be. So tell me a little bit about how like people can utilize this tool to kind of understand their sleep patterns and REM and, and output and input and kind of an, on that sense. First, I, I completely second what you said here in terms of sleep being like this amazing new, it's not new, I mean, this, I should never say new, but it's an amazing frontier. And there's a lot of new discoveries and new insights that are happening on a daily basis right now. It's, it's, it's amazing. And it's it's and the more we study it, the more we realize how critical it is for our health and our performance long term, as well as uh, near term and everything. So the other thing that's really interesting is that we use a lot of energy when we sleep, you know, and, and, and you know how we know that because we breathe a lot. You know, anybody who's ever seen somebody sleep, you know, the breath gets, you know, systematic, but it doesn't. You know, you don't you don't breathe like a tiny, tiny amount of air relative what, to what you would be breathing when you're awake. Sometimes you even breathe more in your sleep than you're just sitting there, you know, at your desk. So why is that? I mean, that has got to be energy use. So, and, and probably a lot of that energy is going to your brain. Because, and the brain, by the way, is a huge energy hog. Uh, it's for good reason. Uh, but it, it's, it's just one more reason, reason to, to, to need a device that measures the energy use of your body, including the brain. None of the brain's energy use can be captured in a pedal or even in a wrist-based device. So now, if you look into what's going on in sleep, to me, that's, that's a fascinating space that we're hopefully, hope, hoping that our device is going to be used in the hands of experts that are doing sleep studies. And one of the things you can do with this, which, which is basically never possible uh, until now, is to give it to people to use at home when they sleep. I mean, there's a thing called a sleep lab. And even in a sleep lab, typically, you don't measure some, the oxygen and CO2 all night long. Uh, you certainly don't do that at home uh, and allowing people to do that and start collecting data, you know, in large quantities for many people, I think is going to be a huge new phase of our ability to understand sleep. And then exactly as you were saying, we, we know that sleep has these different phases and they're very different. You know, there's REM and non-REM and the non-REM sleep has a couple of different, you know, phases. And they're all quite different, and they all have a special role. How does that relate to your metabolic energy use during sleep? Uh, those are things, and again, we're not the research institute that's going to teach the world what's going on in sleep. We're the company that's going to give this tool, that's going to make it easy for those research institutes to give it to lots of people, hundreds, thousands, maybe more. And hey, Wear this at night while you sleep. It's, it's, it's much easier to wear this thing than many other things that people have to put on at night, you know, for various reasons. It doesn't have any wires. It doesn't have any tubes. Its battery will last all night long, no problem. And the data will be there waiting for you on, on your phone or on your cloud uh, in the morning. So it's going to, I hope, it's going to unleash a lot of novel studies 
and, and better insight of what's going on when we sleep. Yeah, and I think the product timing is is excellent. Uh, you know, I mean, I think it's one of those things where, like we've talked about a little bit earlier, people are getting more and more confident. They're getting more interested in, in understanding how their body works to, to maximize their health and, and to maximize their well-being and their production, their moods. That's another thing people forget that foods and working out really can affect your mood, your anxiety, all these things, which, you know, you are providing the tool, like you said, uh, to allow them to kind of do their research and to understand how it kind of best equips them as well. But I'd love to ask you just because you're, you know, you're an accomplished person an accomplished entrepreneur and things of that nature as well. How would you say your entrepreneurial experience and your other ventures and your other endeavors and things of uh, that nature equipped you to kind of build out and work on on this company now and on this product? That's actually a very big and loaded question. I mean, uh, and I'm not even sure that I necessarily was fully well prepared for this venture when I got started. Uh, So I don't want to claim that. But um, I can't say that when you you try to build a company from, from the ground up, there's all these different things you got to think of and, and there's all these different things you got to do. And you have a very limited resource. You have a very small team, if any team. Uh, and, and I, for the couple, first couple of years, I was essentially doing this on my own kind of made my, uh, in my literal basement, not, not just my, my proverbial basement. Uh, but um, you have to think about all the different things and try to constantly try to figure out what's important to do now, as opposed to this can wait till later. And the ability to organize that, I, th- I think, is critical. Uh, but let me tell you what uh, I've tried to do that I don't think my uh, experience has prepared me for. Because that actually, to me, is, 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 is more interesting in some sense. This is a, um, th- there's, there's two challenges here with this product. Other than the, okay, technical, yeah, measure airflow. Yeah, that's great. I know how to figure those things out, and I think we did. But... There's two other things which are quite difficult. One of them is there is a, uh, a challenge of educating a broad market about what this is and why this is useful and why you would even be bothered to, to, to look at this and, and want to have one of these things and for what purpose. And I think the answers are good, but the educational challenge here, the communication challenge is enormous. And even a very large company with a lot of resources to communicate to the public would be facing a steep uphill climb to try to get the word out, if you will, that this is important, this is new, this is interesting. So that's one thing. The other thing is, it's, it's despite the, the technical, technical beauty of this thing, it, it's a very intimate thing to put something on your face. So you have to put yourself in the, in the mind of the, of the user and see what do we need to do with this product to minimize the the aspects that would want you to not put it on your face, so to speak, you know, you, you want you want it to be comfortable, you want it to be less obtrusive, you want it to look as nice as it could, you know, all these things. And I don't, I don't, I did not have a lot of uh, expertise or experience in in creating things that people are going to love to put on their face, you know. <laughs> so that was to me that those two things are are challenges that. I didn't, nothing in my past prepared me for that. And I had to think through those things uh, as a user and as a consumer, not as a as an entrepreneur or as a or as an executive with technical expertise. So so that was that's it. and I, I still I still think it is a challenge. I mean I the product right now is the best we could co- we could do so far. But at this point, we have already in mass production one I already have many ideas of how I need to make it better and how I could make it better, and I will make it better in the next round and one after that. So this one, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome, but I, I, I'd be first in line to, to list for you all the limitations or the things that need to become better, and that we have to do that, and we will do that. And we're gonna, it's going to be an, an, a very interesting uh, ride, hopefully not too bumpy, and we're going to make these things better and more comfortable and more useful and, and maybe even look cooler over time. 
And, uh, and that's the plan. I mean, that's a great point. Those are a lot of challenges, right? I mean, a lot of this is probably going to be based on the feedback you get, right? Like what are the customers and users of this mask and, and the app itself and getting that information? What are they going to be saying and, and really kind of understanding that feedback and applying it into future iterations, you know, as you move forward? Because uh, you're right. I mean, that is one of those things where, you know, you got to put it on your face. You got to put a mask on. You know, uh, unfortunately, people are probably a little tired of putting masks on at this point, but uh, or maybe they're used to it. But that's exactly right. And- Yes, you, want, you need to give them a good reason and you need to minimize the things that they really hate about masks, you know, so, but, but, there, but there's no magic here. I mean, you know, I, I think we are not naturally inclined to put things like that to cover our mouth. I, I will say this, one of the, and, and this wasn't a technical issue, we wanted to make sure that at least it doesn't introduce any impedance to your breath. And, you know, th- there's a reason why breath measurement devices always impede your breath, because if you're not creating any resistance, it's very hard to measure the flow. Uh, but we took it very far down the path of we'll make the the, the resistance almost uh, almost zero. You know, it's, it's, uh, and, and unless you're breathing really really hard, you actually cannot tell that there's any resistance to your breath. And we've tried this. I mean, there's there's holes in which you can breathe through, and if I triple the number of holes, you're not going to feel any difference because it's already so easy to breathe through. Um, but um, that is just one example. So there's comfort of the, the, of the of just physically having something that's touching your, your skin. Or the other one is just having nothing that impedes your breathing because, you know, you do not want anything that's going to make it hard for you, especially if you're going to work out. I think we've accomplished that, uh, at least to a large degree. But that's one of the key design issues that we wanted to make sure we do. I want to take a quick pause just to make an announcement going forward about the Talking Solutions podcast and what you can expect. As listeners, everything that you do and say to me and the feedback that you provide is so important and helpful for me to take this podcast moving forward. And that is why I am starting a newsletter and an opportunity for you to get more news and to provide me more feedback for the Talking Solutions podcast. It's something that we're going to make available very, very soon in the next couple of weeks. And what you're going to be able to do is sign up for the newsletter and we are going to provide you with so much great content. We'll be pushing the new episodes when they come out every Wednesday straight to your inbox. In addition to that, we got a nice little weekly roundup of some positive news, some things going on in the business world as well in the impact driven space and so much more to help enhance founders, investors and people really interested in the problems that we face today as humans and more importantly the people that are providing solutions to them to help move us forward uh, in the economy and as a society so really excited to get going on the newsletter you can find that and more information at the talking solutions instagram and also on our website at cheshtech.com backslash talking solutions podcast that's cheshtech c-h-e-s-h-t-e-c So look forward to sharing that with you and to having you on the newsletter. So definitely be sure to uh, look out for that and to subscribe so you can get all some great news and all up to date things regarding talking solutions. So looking forward to that. And let's jump back in for the final segment of this episode of the Talking Solutions podcast. Yeah. And that's an important part, right? Because, you know, these are the people you're going to be, you know, selling to are the people that want to put this mask on, right? Because they're going to want to get this data because they really want to understand their body and, and to best improve themselves and, and to best give themselves a, an opportunity to live a healthy life to the best that they possibly can. And, and that's what this tool kind of helps you do. So, you know, I think creating that mask and making it the most important feature of not making it encumbersome if you start breathing heavily during a workout is the most important thing. So there's definitely, definitely that benefit. Uh, that you've already kind of seemed to have figured out going forward on that front. So let's talk a little bit about um, how people can use this, download it, get it going, and then, you know, obviously purchase it, get it shipped. Uh, talk a little bit about um, the the accompanying application that kind of works with it as well. We haven't talked too much about that. So, for example, we, we know how the, the breathing works, the analysis on that front, and then it gets sent over to the phone, uh, or is it available on desktop as well? How can people kind of take a look and, and utilize these features? Yeah, so this is one of one of the fastest moving areas of innovation because changing the physical product is a slower and, and, and more involved process, but getting the software to work better is something that you can do at a, at a very fast pace. So every few weeks you can put in another improvement, another tweak, another new feature, uh, and, and that's going to be a very active aspect of, of this thing. So right now, there's an app and you, can, you, you download it on your phone and it can work on both uh, Android phones as well as uh, as Apple iOS phones, 
and 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 that's great. And these are very powerful computers. You know, systems that used to measure breath in the old days needed a computer to gather the data and display it. Well, guess what? Everybody has a computer in their pocket, which is ten times more powerful than what is currently being used today in, in some of these laboratories. So that's great. So we don't have to give you a computer. Uh, we do have an app, and it works on your on your phone. And uh, that app is is really making improvements on a weekly basis. And so there's a version now that is already released, and people who have bought the device and received it can now download that app and immediately get to work. It's very, very easy. We erred on the side of making it super easy to just have this Bluetooth connection happen, and you're just off to the races within minutes of, of getting this thing out of the box. No setup, no nothing like that. The, um, you know, the, the, there are many things that we don't do yet. For example, one of the things we get asked is, does the app give you advice? Do this, don't do that, and, you know, kind of interpret things. And right now, I would say that the, the, the app that we currently provide is very light on the teaching or advice-giving aspect of the business. We, there's a lot of teaching in the sense there's a lot of frequently asked questions or explanations. What does this mean? What is what is that term? What is RER? You know, what is VO2? You know, what is minute volume? So a lot of that is explained in the app, which is nice because these are new concepts to a lot of our users. But it doesn't tell you you need to, you know, train more or you need to eat less this or sleep more that. We, we're not in the advice business yet with the app. Now, will we ever be in the advice business? I don't know. My general feeling is that we don't want to do things that we're not particularly good at, like giving health advice. I don't, we, there's a lot of people out there who are very good at this. We're going to give them the tool. And there may be variations on, on the app, you know, one for people with a specific, specific type of challenge or, or, or maybe a they want to work on their marathon running or people have some some lung ailment that they want to be able to keep track of. There could be very specific specific flavors, if you will, the app that help uh, in, in those situations. Right now, it's sort of a all-purpose, one-size-fits-all app that we just got it out there. The product just started shipping last week. So it's, it's early days in terms of all that. But uh, I would say this to our users and our potential users, uh, you know, I got your hats because this is going to be a wild ride in terms of the rapidly evolving uh, features and, and use cases of the of the app. The physical device, yeah, there will be improvements over time, but basically, it's it is what it is. You know, the fun which happens here is 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 going to be where the the wild ride happens for the most part. And yes, it's going to be available also as a desktop solution. You know, with the cloud access and all that. The first version of the of the of the app actually doesn't do that. We're literally weeks away from having that capability. Awesome, yeah, really utilize the 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 platforms across that you can kind of work on and, and get this kind of real time data. And yeah, you know, you make a great point. I mean, it, it constantly is iterations, right? You're constantly trying to evolve that product. You just got to get that MVP, the minimal viable product, out. Just get it going so people can use it, and then you can always add and iterate, see what people want, get their feedback, and you know, do all the the general product stuff as you will. Yeah, you know, it's, it's the little things that can really can really get you. You know, if if you can have everything right, the sensors and the, and the design, all that, and then you know, the software crashes, you know, or, or the battery runs out of charge too fast, or, you know, or this thing stops working, you know, and depending on the phase of the moon. And those things, those are real things that happen all the time in products. Uh, and uh, you, you can have the best product in the world 90% of the time or 95% of the time, those 5% failures can really influence the experience for users. So that's, and that's really where a lot of the hard work goes. Exactly. Right. It's all about like, like you talked about earlier, it's all about putting your uh, feet in the shoes of the user and, and really making it seamless, especially in today's product world where that's what it's all about. It's all about convenience. It's all about things working and, and eliminating things that break. So really interesting on that front. So how, how can people get yeah, one? Right, how can well, they buy I, it? I told my team, uh, you know, you, you look at products made by big companies that have been out there for years, you know, like and I'm talking about multi-billion dollar companies that have had years to perfect their software. And there's still weird stuff that happens, right? It crashes and it doesn't do what you want. It goes into this funny mode. And, you know, so even companies with a lot of resources and a lot of time have a hard time perfecting software and, and, and product behavior. So uh, and that's just the reality. And, and we have to do our best within 
with him as possible. Working on an application right now myself that's got bugs that keep popping up out of nowhere after I think they're solved. It's always the hardest 10%, that last 10%. How can people buy it? How can they go? Can they go to your website? Uh, where, where can they get this and, and make a purchase if they'd like? The answer is very simple because there's only one way to buy it, which is come to our website, which is caliberbio.com, one word. And I just like to remind people the caliber is spelled with a B-R-E, not a B-E-R at the end. And uh, on a website, you can just go in and, and click buy. And, or you can just go to the website and, and get a little more insight or education about how this works and what it does and why that's interesting. But that's, that's basically the process. you know. And we've had people who've ordered it for months ago had been patiently waiting because the product wasn't ready. And actually last week was super exciting for us because we finally started shipping. Congratulations. That's fantastic that you got to this point. Is it available across the country? Is it available globally? Where's it? Where's the reach go? Currently we, we ship uh, in U.S. and Canada. We hope to quickly, uh, I don't want to commit to a timeline, but quickly start shipping in at least some additional countries, you know, and over time more. So we won't get the whole world all at once, but uh, right now in the US, Canada, yes, soon, at least some subset of uh, European countries and uh, more over time. Got to hit the UK with the way that caliber is spelled. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And Canadians too, you know, so uh, never forget our Canadian neighbors. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. And then on that front too, is there other ways that people can support? Uh, do you have social media channels, LinkedIn, or anything of that nature as well that people can kind of jump on and learn more or support from? We do. We have we have a presence both on Facebook and Instagram, and uh, we're trying to do a little bit more also in some some other areas. It's just beginning to happen now. We we erred on the side of uh, you know, you know, walk before you talk kind of thing. You know, so that we didn't want to be out there telling too many stories before we actually have some of this show. So we did a little bit of that, but really not much. And and now that the product's getting out there, we're going to put more deliberate effort into communication and yes we have facebook and and uh and instagram and, and there will be several other areas we're going to be doing um you know videos which are what we call tutorial videos where uh one of my one of my my, my key colleagues his name is sean coakley he's, he's phenomenal and he knows so much about breath he's, he's a very well known uh, expert in, in breath and as it relates to health and to athletics. Uh, and he'll be doing a whole series of, um, of, of tutorial of videos that we're going to put online. He's also participating in a bunch of podcasts himself. So there's going to be a lot of that coming out. Not all at once, but uh, we want to, you know, gradually, you know, advance, you know, the, the communication part. As I said before, that's probably one of our biggest challenges is, is, is kind of teaching what this is and why it's cool. Exactly. I think once you get that education out there, the the solutions are pretty obvious once you know what they are. But yeah, you got to just move it, you know, little by little, poco a poco and and kind of get things going on that front. But, uh, you know, Udi, what else, anything else that you would like to add uh, on this episode of the podcast that maybe we didn't touch on or anything of that nature as well that you'd like people to know? There's a lot of areas where we can use this, you know, that we, we didn't get into yet. And we're hoping to see that happen, you know, whether it's team sports, uh, whether it is uh, research programs. One of the things we're really interested in is, is getting people who want to do research, whether it's high grade academic research or just, you know, more, you know, pedestrian studies. We would like, we think this is one of the first things that you, people are going to want to do with this is to, to use it as, as a tool for better understanding breath, for better understanding human physiology. So I'd like to just encourage people who have any interest in that is to reach out to us and, and work with us to, to help start uh, doing this, uh, use this as a tool to better understand the human body. I can think of several use cases for organizations off the top of my head, right? You got high level, you know, university, athletics, sports medicine, sleeping studies, as you mentioned earlier, just be a way that people can measure sleep and things of that nature as well. And there's so many, so many areas that you can really work with uh, organizations on on that front, in addition to to just the consumer and people like myself who just have a, a fascination with this type of stuff as well. One thing I want to say, and that's maybe a little bit of a caveat, you know, Obviously, there's enormous variation in people's uh, facial structure, and we would like to make uh, different variations of this that will fit more comfortably for so for everybody to have the be the best fit they can. We only have one size right now. It's not because we don't think that more sizes would would be better suited for the, the variation in, in our users, 
but um, that's something that takes a lot of capital to do and a lot of time. Uh, so it's on our to-do list. There will be more sizes coming out, you know, uh, not next week or next month, but over in the coming months and certainly the coming years, we will expand this. So even if it's a little bit too big or too small for your particular facial structure, uh, you know, have faith, have patience. We will work on additional uh, sizes, and hopefully by the time we're done, yeah, there'll be a there'll be a caliber that, that will fit anybody who wants one. Awesome. What's the price point? So our list price uh, on the website is three hundred and ninety nine dollars. And that's it. Listening early innings of the company. There are a lot of changes, innovations, features, and all of that good stuff coming to both of the mask, the wearable, and then of course, obviously within the technology as well as they continue to iterate the product and get your feedback and things of that nature as well. So uh, I definitely encourage you all to go check out the website. Once again, that website is caliberbio.com. That's C-A-L-I-B-R-E-B-I-O dot com you can also uh, get their links on social media as well and as always we'll have that uh within our week on our uh, instagram account and within our website as well so udi i, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast i really enjoyed this discussion uh, that we had today I, I think it was really useful and and really great to kind of get a full understanding of how this tool can help empower and enhance uh individuals lives as, as well as help equip uh, research teams and things of that nature as well. Thank you, Will. I really want to thank you. And, and I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show and to get the word out, so to speak, you know, to your listeners about this. So, so, so thank you for that. And it was also a pleasure talking with you. Absolutely. Happy to do so and, and excited to, uh, to share this with uh, all the listeners as well. And that's going to wrap up this edition of the Talking Solutions, a podcast featuring the company Caliber Biometrics, they have a product that measures and analyzes your breath to give you actual real-time insights into your metabolic rate, for example, your calories, all things of that nature as well. And the founder and CEO, uh, Udi Mayer, joining us uh, on the podcast today. So thanks uh, so much again for everyone that was listening. I look forward to speaking with you on our next episode. As always, if you enjoyed it, you can go ahead, drop a review. Please subscribe as well as we continue to highlight founders with impact-driven solutions that are going to help uh, better individuals and society as a whole, as well as our planet. So look forward to speaking with you in our next episode. Thanks for listening to the Talking Solutions Podcast. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode and check out all of our guests on our website at cheshtech.com. That's C-H-E-S-H-T-E-C-H.com to learn more as we continue our mission of supporting impact-driven founders. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Talkin' Solutions Podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Talkin' Solutions. If you liked this episode, I'd really appreciate a review and a recommendation to a friend as we focus on highlighting these great founders and individuals providing solutions to societal problems and bringing optimism into the world.